0: Hey, welcome back to the Outloud Bible Project podcast. Mike here. We're just reading through the Bible like it is something that really happened, because I believe it is. It's just real people in real situations with real problems, but they're all just playing a very real part in this story that God is unfolding throughout history, throughout our lifetime, and we get to be a part of this story. We're a part of this conversation. The Bible is a conversation between God and us for us to be able to learn more about him and how we can plug into this grand plan that he's unfolding. So at the end of the last episode here in the book of Acts, I I brought attention to the fact that Paul and Barnabas didn't go about their mission from God alone. And even when they went their separate ways, they teamed up with other men to be able to encourage and strengthen each other. And I also stressed the importance of doing whatever it is you're doing to build God's kingdom. Maybe you're writing a book, maybe you're an artist, maybe you're a coach, whatever, doing it in a community with other believers to encourage you. And so I wanted to take a minute to share with you the community that my wife and I have built to support people like you. It's called The Grove, and we meet remotely with small groups of up to six once a week. And these are just filled with people who are taking steps to do the mission God put on their hearts. And there are courses, there's coaching, there's a private community, and intentional discipleship to strengthen you in the hard times so that you never have to go about it alone. And we've seen God do some amazing things in the lives of just the amazingly creative Christians that we get to work with. And I'd love to hear more about what God has put on your heart to do. So check out thegrovecreative.com. To learn more, schedule a clarity call. That's just a free, uh, short call with us personally to just clarify your mission and see if we can find some, some next steps for you in that. Like if we're reading the book of Acts and we're not inspired to take literal action on the things that God has given us to do, then we're reading it wrong, right? So let's pick up our story again in the book of Acts. So Paul is on a missionary journey. He's not traveling with Barnabas anymore because Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul had doubts that John Mark would be faithful to the mission. So Barnabas, who stuck his neck out there for Paul, remember when Paul was new to the game? He stayed true to his nickname, son of encouragement and stuck his neck out there for John Mark. And so now Paul is traveling with Silas, and Barnabas is traveling with John Mark. And we're going to focus on Paul and Silas here in this chapter as as they come up against the most reason-driven, logic-seeking, philosophically-minded people, perhaps in all of history. So can their faith in a God we can't see stand up to the test of reason? Well, let's find out in Acts chapter seventeen through eighteen. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Paul, as was his custom went into them and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and not a few of the chief women. But the unpersuaded Jews took along some wicked men from the marketplace and, gathering a crowd, set the city in an uproar. Assaulting the house of Jason, they sought to bring them out to the people. When they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and certain brothers before the rulers of the city, crying, These who have turned our world upside down have come here also, whom Jason has received. These all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The multitudes and the rulers of the city were troubled when they heard these things. When they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Many of them therefore believed also of the prominent Greek women, and not a few men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there, likewise agitating the multitudes. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul to go as far as to the sea, and Silas and Timothy still stayed there. But those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. Receiving a commandment to Silas and Timothy that they should come to him very quickly— they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who met him. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also were conversing with him. Some said, "Hmm, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, "'He seems to be advocating foreign deities,' because he preached Jesus and the resurrection. They took hold of him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, "'May we know what this new teaching is, what you are speaking about? "'For you bring certain strange things to our ears. "'We want to know, therefore, what these things mean.' Now, all the Athenians and the strangers living there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that you're very religious in all things. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, and I also found an altar with this inscription, To an Unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, I announce to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, he, being Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He isn't served by men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. He made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the surface of the earth, having determined appointed seasons and the boundaries of their dwellings, that they should seek the Lord, if perhaps they might reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, move, and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone engraved by art and design of man. The times of ignorance, therefore, God overlooked. But now he commands that all people everywhere should repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, of which he has given assurance to all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, "Uh, We want to hear you again concerning this. Thus Paul went out from among them. But certain men joined with him and believed, among whom was also Dionysus the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. He found a certain Jew named Aquila a man of Pontus by race, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. He came to them, and because he practiced the same trade, he lived with them and worked, for by trade they were tent makers. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit testifying to the Jews that Jesus was was the Christ. When they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook out his clothing and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. He departed there and went out into the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his house. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Don't be afraid, but speak, and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. He lived there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If indeed it were a matter of wrong or of wicked crime, you Jews, it would be reasonable that I should bear with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I don't want to be a judge of these matters. So he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. Gallio didn't care about any of these things. Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers and sailed from there for Syria, together with Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head in Centrea, for he had a vow. He came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay with him a longer time, he declined, but taking his leave of them, he said, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the assembly and went down to Antioch. Having spent some time there, he departed and went through the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, establishing all the disciples. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos An Alexandrian by race, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, although he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When he had determined to pass over into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he had come, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Christianity is a thinking person's religion. Paul is not preaching a gospel of emotions or just take my word for it, faith. He's bold. He's confident, he's intelligent, and he sets a standard we should follow in our faith as well. He takes what the culture knows, like the altar to the unknown god in this reading, and connects the dots for people to lead and connects the dots for people to lead them to an understanding of Jesus. And when we tell others about Jesus, it's not primarily about making them feel good or bad, it's about connecting the dots in your life and theirs so Jesus is positioned as the solution that they're looking for. That is the Thinking Out Loud thought for today. You've been listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. When you become a patron of Out Loud Bible Project, you help make the Bible accessible for people who desperately need to know they have a role in this conversation with God. To learn more, visit outloudbible.com and click support this project. Thanks for listening.